Hey guys, it's finally time to start this episode. We're going to talk about some Tombs of the Blind Dead. How are you guys doing? I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. I'm Donnie. Donnie is back with us in the studio after The Gate, however many episodes that was. That's been a hot minute. And you were the one that brought the idea for this week. I'd never heard of this movie. Wow. Yeah, I've never seen them. I was familiar with it because of the box set from like years and years ago. Just never got around to watching any of them until now. So excited right on, about man. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you told me you're like you should pick the next one, and I'm like, oh man, I got to pick a good one. And I was looking at my collection at home, and like I have that box set, the coffin one. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, Blue Underground. And I, I just saw that, and I'm like, it just jumped out at me. I'm like, man, if these guys haven't seen a Blind Dead flick, let's do Blind Dead. Yeah, I'm glad that you chose those two. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, yeah so we're Tombs of the Blind Dead. Before we get into that. Let's go some, for some green hits, because we've been sitting here not smoking all this time. <laughs> yeah. we, we just got done with like an hour's worth of technical problems that are still ongoing, but we got to the point where we can record. So yeah, I'm starting to get that like I'm too sober headache. So. Yeah. <laughs> Today, I rolled up a J of some Dark Star and some Strawberry Kush. There's a little bit of Strawberry Kush in there, too. So, nice. Uh, I'll hand that over to you. All right, I'll, cool. I'll point cool. out that the Dark Star's genetics. Just since, to, you know, to fill some fucking airtime. Yeah, yeah. I can't actually roll. That's because it's the fucking raw pre-rolled. I love those pre-rolls. You don't have to actually roll anymore. It's great. Right. <laughs> that Dark Star, though, cross between Purple Kush and Mazar-e-Sharif. Of course, I've had Purple Kush. have not ha- ever had Mazar-e-Sharif. But it's probably the heaviest indica that my shop currently carries. So. Oh, wow. Cool. I've never been disappointed when I need to take a nap, so... I should have brought a pillow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's what I have today. Well, Danny, cool. I know you brought something. I did. I brought a few different things. So the first thing I'll talk about is I did bring an Indica strain, because I know Donnie likes Indicas, and I, I prefer Indeed. them as well. But this one is LA Kush Cake. It is a cross of Gorilla Glue, number four, <laughs> and LA Kush itself. And the thing I like about this one is I've been chasing terpenes more so than just like THC content. So the one thing I like about this is it has the alpha pinene, which gives it that piney taste. Hmm. It also has some of the myrcene and carophyllene. Carophyllene is kind of defined by its earthy, a little bit diesely taste. So you're going to have a little bit of that in the backbone of it. And because it's an indica, you know, it comes along with that sedative, relaxed. This one does give you a little bit of an energy boost. But it's good for, you know, anti-inflammatory. You know, if you're feeling a little down, this one will get you kind of lifted back up. So nice. uh, I like this one. It does sit pretty heavy on the THC content. It's like right around 31%. So it's a little bit on the heavier side. And then I did bring a concentrate today, which we normally don't get into a whole lot. But the one that I did bring is a Cushberry. It sits at about 87% THC. And another one of those that are indica, so it's going to have a little bit more of a berry taste to it. But this one's pretty good. I like it. It's not overwhelming, and when you vaporize it, you don't get floored like you do when you hit it out of a dab rig. Nice. So it's a little bit easier on the lungs and on on the head, and you're not going to feel like you want to spit up you know, your lungs. <laughs> sure. So there's sounds that. Right. Yeah. Sounds right up my alley. So here's that man. guy. If you want to check her out, all you got to do is just draw. You don't have to push any buttons or anything. Oh, sweet. Oh, yeah, and I've never done a concentrate on your rig yet. It does fairly it decent, mine, yeah. But... It's not bad. Mm. That's a sweet. What, what do you call that, man? Uh, so that vape is a uh, it's a Starry V Max Three. 
I liked it just because it's it has that magnetic top. Yeah, and like if I wanted to do dry herb or I, you know it comes with that little steel pad, I can do concentrates as well. So for the price point, it's not bad. I can't say it's quite near what Tyler has with the Firefly because that's like top notch, dude. But this one's not bad, just for you know for around the block or if you just want to sure. do something simple. Yeah, it's it's fairly decent. Good nice. entry point. Cool. I know you had my old G Pen for a bit, and I like that one better than that G Pen. That G Pen was the right price, and it's a great, it's a great entry point too. But yeah, I was just looking to update. That's all I was doing at this point. Yeah, so not disappointed. Your neighbors are gonna hear all this coughing up here, and they're gonna think something. Yeah, you know, quarantined off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're gonna go outside, and there's gonna be dudes in hazmat suits. Step back in the apartment. That wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> Well, shit, as we start to smoke, let's start to talk about the movie some, too. Guts and Bolts. Alright, Guts and Bolts. Danny, who and what went into Tombs of the Blind Dead? Well, you know I like talking about the cast and crew, but we'd be doing our fans a disservice if you didn't give us at least a brief synopsis first. So, spoiler-free synopsis? I don't know how spoiler-free I can be, considering... I mean, the name implies things. The name implies things. If you've seen the poster, you kind of already know what you're getting. So, there's... Is it an old castle? What is that place? Yeah, I'd say it's a castle. Town. Yeah, like a fortress. Fortress. I think they refer to it as a village, don't they? they refer, yeah, they refer to it as a village. But, but it looks more like... It looks like an ancient fortress. Yeah, a fortress, me, I'd say, is more appropriate. Ancient fortress that's rumored to have an undead battalion of Knights Templar that pop out of it, and traveling party consisting of a couple and others find out in very deadly ways whether that rumor is true. I kind of feel like I'm still doing a little bit of a disservice there, but we'll get into the spoilers. But I mean, for spoiler-free stuff, yeah, you know, yeah. you have to skirt around certain things. But I think that's a fair representation of what the film entails. Okay, so leading off with our crew, I'm going to talk about director and one half of the writing team, and that gentleman is Amando de Osorio. And Amando, because you have the box set, so you know very well, he has the tetralogy of these films, the Blind Dead series. And some of those include The Ghost Galleon, Night of the Seagulls. He's done other films like Demon Witch Child, The Sea Serpent. So, I mean, he started off like most directors. They get into like spaghetti westerns, things of that nature, comedy. They get their foot in horror, and then it kind of takes off from there. So, no stranger to the horror community. All right. The other half of the writing team consists of Jesus Navarro Carrion. He's known for writing on such projects as Canadian Wilderness, Savage Gringo, El Nino e El Potro, and La Noche de la Furia. All right. Our cinematographer is Pablo Ripoll. And this gentleman is known for such films as Canto Perati, Vicaciones Sangrientas, El Espectro de Terror, and La Danza de Corazon. A lot of these gentlemen are Spanish and Portuguese, so... I'm going to put a little flair on what I'm saying today. <laughs> yeah, no, you're doing a great job. Thank man. you. See, si, senor. <laughs> All right, our editor is Jose Antonio Rojo, and this gentleman is known for such films that he's edited on as Le Sombra del Cipres e Alagardo, Toyas and Tantantos, Junque el Guerrero, and Placido. He's done <laughs> over 290 films, so if you're familiar with Spanish and or Portuguese films, you've probably seen a number of his works. 
Our music was composed by Anton Garcia Abril, and he is known for such films. Let's see, I'm going to go through some of the other credits. He's got The Holy Innocence, it looks like. Man-Eater of Hydra. <laughs> He's done Pancha Villa, Dr. Jekyll versus the Werewolf. Kind of neat. Curse of the Devil, the Werewolf versus the Vampire Woman. Yeah, well, so. I want to hear more of his stuff because shout out to this dude because like the soundtrack is dope. No, the yeah. soundtrack is really good. Yeah, and, uh, it is ultra atmospheric. It yep. adds a super strong. It's another character the in the film. Yeah, yeah I kind of sure. want to watch the Werewolf versus the Vampire Woman or versus Vampire Woman. It sounds pretty dope. Do that like back to back with uh, a Dracula Girl versus Frankenstein. Girl. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. That'd be fun. <laughs> All right, I have special effects was done by Jose Gomez Saria. He's known for such films as La Casa de las Chivas, The Dracula Saga, and The Ferros. This was produced by Jose Antonio Perez Giner and Salvadore Romero. The production companies were Interfilm and Plata Films SA. The distributors was Hispamex Films for the 1971 Spanish theatrical release. And Hallmark Releasing helped with the 1973 United States theatrical release, which was dubbed. The release dates were April 10th, 1972 in Spain, and February of 1973 here in the States. I do have two taglines for this film. The first tagline I have is, Who are these unholy savages who hunt out their victims by sound alone? And number two I have is, Scream so they can find you. Okay. All right. So moving along, we have our cast, and I'm going to lead off with Lone Fleming, who plays the role of Betty Turner. She's known for being in such films as The Fourth Victim, Sexy Cat, Evil Eye, and Vampires. We have Cesar Berner. He plays the role of Roger Whalen in the film. He's known for such films as The Man Called Noon, Green Inferno. This is not the Eli Roth Green Inferno. <laughs> and the film Last Chance. We move along. We have Maria Elena Epron. She plays Virginia White. She's known for such films as The House That Screamed, Disco Rojo, Hunchback of the Morgue, and the film Fuzzy the Hero. We have Jose Thelman. He plays Professor Pedro Candal. He's known for being in the film Return of the Evil Dead. He was also in The Night of the Sorceress, the films The Beast's Carnival, and Night of the Werewolf. Every single one of these movies sounds pretty dope. intriguing. <laughs> yeah. Dude, any movie that has Sorceress in the, the title? Is like, it makes me think of those 60s and 70s films, for sure. For sure, man. Well, I think it's worth pointing out, I didn't know this, I, I started clicking through them when you were listing off the other movies that the director had done. Like, most of those are all part of a series. He did an entire run of werewolf movies, too. That's pretty awesome. Hell yeah. That look like they have, like, seven, eight entries into the fucking series. <laughs> Jesus. Including some that have, like, never been dubbed into English or released on DVD and stuff. Like, wow. That's for, like, Anchor Bay and Blue Underground to get their hands on. Right? I kind of really want to watch, like, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Anyway, keep going. Nice. So I have uh, two more actors, and that rounds out our cast. I have Rufino Inglés. He plays the role of Inspector Oliveira. Now, this gentleman has like close to 300 credits, his name. I looked through most of them, a lot of them are Spanish titles. So, unless you're familiar with uh, Spanish cinema from like the 1940s through the 60s, uh, you're probably not going to know this guy. All right, and the last person I have is Veronica Yimera. She plays the role of Nina in this film. Now, she's known for being in such films as Hatchet for the Honeymoon, which is actually a Mario Bava film. Oh, yeah, she's also in Tender and Perverse, Emmanuel. She was also in the film But Who Raped Linda, 
which is Yikes. a Jess Franco film starring Lena Romag. It's a good figure. Huh. She was also in the film Sensualidad and Kiss Me Killer. So that pretty much rounds out our cast and our crew. You gave us a brief synopsis. We should give our listeners a couple of warnings. It involves the undead. Right. If you don't like that, especially if those undead were at one point Templars that turned to worshiping Satan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of violence, not much. There's some gunplay, not much language. I don't know. Oh, there's the rape. Yeah. The implied. I mean, that's what I'd say. It's like it's implied. Yeah, I knew we were going to get on that at some point. <laughs> I knew that was going to be a topic for sure. But yeah, that has to be pointed out for at least a warning. Yeah, I don't know. All the things that you would think would come with this kind of movie. Like I said, the name, right? Like right. Blind Dead. If you've seen the poster at all, like just look it up. Like that's the kind of action you're going to be getting. So let's get into it. How does that make you squeal? Tombs of the Blind Dead. First question. Did any of us watch the Spanish version? Because I didn't realize that there was an English cut until my second viewing earlier today when I was taking my notes and I looked it up on Wikipedia and I'm like, oh shit, this is saying that the length of the movie is about 17 minutes longer than this version that I'm currently watching. The Spanish version is longer? Yes. Is it just the uncut version? Because I know that there's a lot of content mm -hmm. that was cut like for the US version. And I did not realize that I was watching the cut version until it was already too late. Okay. I need to watch this, the uncut version because I didn't know that that existed. Yeah, so I watched it on Prime, so I'm sure... So, okay, I watched it on cut. Prime as well, and so that's a 123-minute version. Yeah, which is the, the cut Spanish I watched. release is 140 minutes. I did, I did read, like, there was some other content wow. that was in it that we got cut out yeah and it's reordered a little bit too right really? exactly yeah so the ritual doesn't occur at the beginning of the movie okay i assume it occurs when the professor is talking about i think you're later, right and they I just flash right. back during that time to what actually happened okay but i from what i gather there was like a some pretty graphic scenes that were cut for the uh, the american version well we kind of yeah. already talked a little bit about one of them <laughs> The rape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that gets completely cut out in the version that we watch. Which I'm not saying is a bad thing. I'm just saying that's a, that's what happened. I've seen this movie three times now, and I did not realize that the other version is like the uncut version. <laughs> this is like completely yeah. opening my eyes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And there's a scene that explicitly like brings up the fact that they had a lesbian relationship in college, right? Right, 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 right. Because it's only hinted at in the one I watched. And the same thing for me. It's like, it's hinted at. If you're out. reading between the lines, you're like, oh, oh, gotcha. <laughs> yep. It's like, oh, she's the husband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. But anyway, like I said, I had never even heard of this movie until you brought it up. How I'm long? Like to, I'm sorry. I only knew briefly about him, but not much. So how far does this go back for you, Donnie? I want to say that I rented it from Netflix when you used to get the physical. Oh, place. right, right. You get like three at a time. So mid-late 2000s? Yeah. So what was dope was so I lived in Oak Park, Illinois, right outside Chicago. Mm -hmm. And we had it set up where I, I got the three movies at a time. Every time we'd watch a movie, we would watch a movie every day and then immediately send it in. So I was just constantly getting... It was just a constant flow of yeah. dope movies to watch, and 
can't remember how I came across it. But at the time, we were watching a lot of horror. This is like when we first watched like Witchfinder General and like Black Sunday, you know, nice. uh, um, Blood on Satan's Claw, stuff like that. So this like popped up in there because it's it's got the occult. Yeah, for sure. It has that feel. And yeah, we watched it and thought it was badass. <laughs> nice. And uh, I didn't see the. Uh, I still have not seen the third and fourth one. I've seen the second one, which is if you enjoy the first one, I'd highly recommend. Okay. Delving forth into the other ones, but um, nice. Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, so I guess let's get into what what actually goes on in this movie. My first note that I took in this movie, I took before I knew that there was a second version that spells it out, because right. my first note was, wait, were they lesbians in college? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> One of my first notes is just, you know, opening up the whole title sequence and all that stuff, going into the, the Templars, sacrificing the virgin. I was like, man, what they got against sexy ladies back then? <laughs> <laughs> but it does, it gives you the, the feel for what's about to happen or what this whole film's kind of about to begin with so so what, the sacrifice is cool yeah it's really cool oh, man, it's I had to turn my TV down cool. because I have neighbors <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah it sounds like some other stuff's going on upstairs but yeah most of my experience with Spanish horror from this era isn't really with Spanish horror from this era so much as it's experience with Jess Franco <laughs> That's funny. So I was expecting them to strip her just completely nude. It would make a lot more sense if it were a Just Franco film for sure. Because that would be the number one movie go to. <laughs> and it does sort of have the same feel as his films do. Yeah, a little bit. It does. But it just never quite. I mean, once I haven't, that level. I haven't seen the, the uncut though. Maybe it does go to that level. You know, that's a good point. It's hard to compare it to to that without seeing that extra footage. That's the weird thing, like going into this knowing that I watched a, a different version because I just really lazy with doing my fucking homework. But that was my first thought was I was just like, oh shit, like, okay, so this isn't going to be a Franco flick. Like, they're not just going to make her naked for naked sake. It was a neat little bit, though. I've never quite seen an execution like that. Yeah, where well, they went straight ritual. Feeding on her. I was yeah, like, yeah. when they started going vamp on her, I was like, oh, what the fuck is going on here? Well, the guy spells it out that they're carrying out the Order of the Blood ritual, and that's what's it by sacrificing a sexy lady and drinking her blood. <laughs> and then what I thought was neat, it, it didn't dawn on me, of course, until later on in the film, because there's a real quick cut in between when that woman gets sacrificed and until modern times, which that threw me for a loop, right? There's a woman that screams after she sees a hand mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm like oh well maybe this is just a modern woman got caught up over there and then it cuts to where they are in the, in the swimming pool it looks nice by the coast and all that shit I was like hold on I thought this was a period piece for a second <laughs> that's something I told you during the week but um, yeah I kind of like that it, like it modernized it we get the introduction to the the two lead ladies and uh, Roger who's he's about that life yeah right <laughs> Yeah, fucking. <laughs> it's like, damn, that was straightforward. I <laughs> pork chop sideburns. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. Rocking um, them shits hard. Man. Yeah, well, straight up out the pool. <laughs> Who's your friend? <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you yeah, introduce dude. me before? <laughs> he was. He, it was party time for that cat, man. Well, and she was surprisingly about it too. But then they have the scene in the back, and you're like, oh. Yep. She ain't worried about him. She's like... <laughs> no, because she does. She's like, have you have you married? They kind of go into that conversation. And then Virginia turns away and she's like, hold on. I'm not talking about that kind of way in the past. 
Yeah, so you know there's something there, right? What it eventually turns into is them meeting up at the train station for Betty, who's her friend. They get on board, and throughout the ride, there's a lot of flirting going on. And then, uh, you know, Virginia's not liking it. She goes off. She and Betty have their talk. Yeah, so there was something I, I kind of appreciated with her deciding to go off. Yeah. And almost, I'd say 99% of the time in a movie, if a character has to suddenly get off a train, <laughs> it's like, jump for my life, I'm hitting and rolling. <laughs> and she's just like, oh no, shit, we're just going around like a sharp bend right now, and yeah. I can't go fast? Cool, I'm just going <laughs> to... <laughs> yeah, it was an easy escape. <laughs> Although still like a weird choice just to... I mean, I realized she yeah. wanted to get out of there, but bouncing off a train. Yeah, that was that was abrupt and sudden. I understand the, that was like, mad reckless, man. I was like, I understand like the all right, pull over. I'm getting out and walking home. Yeah, but that I mean, that ain't what's happening out. here. Like this he, is no. The, I'm just gonna jump off and go like chill in this deserted village in the distance. The conductor's son. Oh when yeah. When he goes to check for her uh, ticket. And he even tells her, he's like, we're out in the middle of nowhere. Like, there's like, and she's like, there isn't a village nearby. He's like, no, we're like, this is pretty desolate. And she still chose to hop off the train, man. Yeah, she had some baggage with her. <laughs> and then as she goes Reckless and she behavior. starts, like, checking out the fucking ruins and shit and deciding where she's going to bed down for the night, that's sort of when I had to step back and be like, oh, yeah. Movies used to be paced a whole lot differently back in the day, because this is just going on. And it's not necessarily bad, it's just, I've been watching a lot of, like, new movies, and they jump from thing to thing. Sure. And this wasn't quite doing that, and I had to be like, oh yeah, this is cool, like, I can can deal with this. No, stay off my phone. No, stay off. No, stay off. (laughs) I don't know, like I said, that's not, it's not a slide against the movie, it's just lately, I've, it's been like John Wick, shit like that. No, this one you do have to be a little bit involved in, because it, it's easy to kind of drift, because you said because of the pacing. We live in a modern world where everything is quick, but that's something of the appeal, I think, with this film, too, is you do have to be a little bit involved with the characters. One thing that got me kind of back into it, it's, it's kind of silly, but it's my thing, is She's going through her like little transistor radio, and she finally finds a channel. And this jazz is like, yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> like I can get into that because mm-hmm. that was kind of the style too back in those films. Some of the Italians like to do those uh, real jazzy kind of like lounge jazz and shit. There was a couple scenes in this that reminded me a little bit more of what I've seen from the Italians, but we'll get into those in a bit. I thought that was fucking hilarious because she turns on her fucking music and suddenly the fucking witch king of Angmar is like, damn kids and their bebop? What the fuck's going on out here? Yeah. Get the fuck off my porch. But yeah, all the signs are there. The bells are tolling. The dead are already. The Templars are out. Yeah, that's one of my favorite scenes in the film is the, the rising from their crypts. It's almost like it looks like puppetry with their... Long skeletal claws, like, creeping out of the opening graves. Like, some of that stuff is pretty clever, too, for that time period to to give the effects of that. Yeah. It's like, you know, there's probably just some dudes hanging out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, just, like, with phony little claws, like, you know, poking them out. That's super effective. The score during that segment, too, is awesome. Yeah, It slowly builds up to that, like quick cut in on like a close-up of one of their faces yeah except it's like the most decomposed of their faces and you can barely see what it looks like and 
once they actually are on their horses, you get such a better look at some of their shit that looks fucking dope, in my opinion. But I thought that was still just a good way that the score built up into that, and I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Where do you think? Where do you guys think they got the horses from, man? That's a good point. No, I mean, do you think that maybe they were just like summoned or something, or like? Yeah, it's like, because it was. They, there weren't like they had like a, right? There, yeah, yeah and there wasn't like a corral where they just like they they, they eternally. Yeah, they just eternally like sit there until when you know. There were better ghost riders at that point too. Right. Not quite in the sky though. No, not quite. Again, they're fucking lucky as shit that they have those horses though, because these are some of the slowest dead motherfuckers in the world. I mean, granted, they are blind. Yeah. You know, they have to go by sound, but they're still effective if they hear that shit. I mean, I like how they were just sort of like always gradually oncoming, and it was like. It was almost like how death is always inevitable and it's creeping up anyway. Especially because right. spo- we're in the spoiler section yeah, anyway, yeah. but spoiler jump to the end of the movie. Like, they don't get defeated. <laughs> They're yeah, no. still around. And obviously there's been three more movies since that continue. Yeah, them, I mean, so. they do their thing. They're, they're efficient. So I kind of liked how it's like this ever-creeping death. But without those horses, like, these motherfuckers are slower than <laughs> slow zombies. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, they, and they creep in. They, they, they super creep in. They're creeping. And they've been relegated for the most part, it seems Blondo like. creeping, yo. <laughs> it seems like, for the most part, they've been relegated to that fortress area. But yeah, I mean, they're effective for what they do. Super nazgul vibes. Meets Deadites from Army of Darkness. Mm, yeah. yeah. I like that. And I often wondered if Raimi was influenced by the Blind Dead. I, I'm glad you said that, because there are certain things that make me feel... Like, this might have influenced perhaps a different film, too, that made me think of, like, all right, well, knowing the time period, right, that this film came out in, and we already know that Raimi, when he did uh, Drag Me to Hell, he was influenced by Night of the Demon. Like, it's almost a a damn near identical film. He just couldn't get the copyright to it, so he made his own version of it. It's like, well, maybe this film helped influence another guy because if there's a sequence that I couldn't help, I know I'm skipping a little bit, but the mannequin shop sequence... Okay. I was like, I wonder how much William Lustig, who's the the director of the original Maniac film, oh, right. was influenced by some of that because of the mannequins and the way that, spoiler, the killer in that film projects his vision of what an ideal woman is onto mannequins, and he does it by some gruesome methods. <laughs> so I was like, huh. So it would make sense maybe for those time periods, like the 80s, those directors were influenced by films like this. Okay, if we're going to be talking about the mannequin scene, there's something I was going to bring up about it anyway. And that's one of the ones with the use of the red light throughout the mm-hmm. scene and the isolation of some of the elements reminded me a lot more of what I've seen from the Italians in the same time period. Absolutely, dude. Yeah. Bava was using it. Argento, mm-hmm. guys like that. Yeah. And that scene is also fucked up in a weird way because... Once again, once you look up shit about this movie, you find out that the director's like, these aren't fucking zombies. Like, they're returned from the dead, they're revenants, they're yeah. whatever, but, like, they're thinking they're simply risen from the dead. Right. But right, don't right. lump them in with zombies. But up to this point, like, there's nothing to say that they're not zombies, necessarily. Yeah. Until you realize that she feels pain. Like, she's risen just like them now. And she starts screaming when she's lit on fire. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's fucked up. That's a new twist on this shit. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty clever. I give him that, yeah. 
And that's not the only twist with her, because we were almost up to it anyway. Once she's fucking, once they start rising from the dead in the ruins earlier, I legit thought she was going to be the star of this movie. Yeah, the way it's being yeah. set up, totally. Yeah. And then her luck, she gets on one of the steeds and rides out until they catch up, and it's like, uh oh. <laughs> well, the scene where they catch her and um, the stunt work in that scene is actually kind of impressive. I get because yeah. it's it's her. And they like yank her off the back of that horse, and like she, the way I mean, she has has to fall, it's like, yeah, you can get seriously hurt doing that shit. Yeah, for sure. I thought that was pretty impressive, and props to that that actress. Good point. But yeah, we found out she's been nibbled on. <laughs> yeah, not in a good way, perhaps. They not for her. They snacked on her ass for sure. Yeah, and that's when the movie turns, and you realize. Betty's the main character? Do I have the name right? Yeah, Betty. Cool. Betty's the main character. Yeah. Betty and Roger become more of a focal point at this point in the film. And it turns into kind of like a whodunit mystery. I mean, they they know there's superstitious shit going on over there, but it gets pinned on somebody much later on in the film. Oh my god, I fucking... So, they're doing the whodunit shit, and they're like, okay, well, she jumped off here. Yeah. We gotta get back out there. Nobody wants to go back out there. Let's get some horses. Got back out there. Horses run off. That fucking sucks. (laughs) 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 Whatever, we're here. Let's check this place out. They're finding clues. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, look, there's... Look at all these. Oh, look, those look like they're... It's surprising how he immediately, like, oh, those look like the graves of the Knight Templar who worship the devil right around <laughs> 1650 A.D. Yeah. He reads, the, he reads the inscription. He's like, oh, yeah, there it is. It's pretty precise. But then the cops show up, right? And I fucking lost it when the cops were fucking questioning them. Because, or when they were, like, they show up on the scene and they're just like, you know, uh, do you know this person that? And they're just like, oh, what happened to our friend? Every time they're trying to ask and find out what happened, the cop is just flexing on. So this must mean that you left the hotel at 3 a.m. Like, yeah, okay. So, like, <laughs> yeah, so you you are so Betty, you're Roger, and this is you're Betty. And like, okay, yeah, but you were just mentioning something <laughs> about our friend. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, no, we might seem like we're backwoods, but we do have telephones <laughs> and we can call around. Yes, but our friend? Exactly. Oh, yeah, your friend's dead. We need you to ID her at the (laughs) morgue. And then you get this really creepy dude at the morgue. The whole morgue situation is one of the reasons why this movie is awesome. Yeah, it does the psych out with the other corpse, which I liked. I appreciated that. (laughs) It's like, what the fuck? You're talking about the weirdo, creepy dude? Yeah. uh, He's getting off on that shit. Yeah. First the fucking frog, right? Like, yeah, well, that I think that actor did a hell of a job selling that. Oh that yeah, character. he totally sold it, no doubt. He got his though. She snuck up on him. I like how all the undead are super fucking quiet in this movie. It's not used often in this. It's not used at all once they show up. It's that there is one jump scare in this movie, but just because jump scares weren't the thing back then. But it's one of those scenarios where they could be just around the corner and you don't hear their asses. Well, see, one of the things about this movie and one of the reasons why I love it is so usually when they're on screen, the soundtrack is like sort of like that atmospheric chanting Mm -hmm. and like groaning, you know, like, oh, and like just I would like to think that they're making that sound. Mm. 
like they're chanting and like making those groaning sounds oh, yeah. and like, what are the, the and like the, the other actors can like they they hear it and that's one of the reasons why it's like so terrifying to yeah them. you get a natural like, reaction to it right right i don't know i i mean i don't know if that's the director's intention but it's kind of my little special thing about this movie yeah that, man uh, uh, the first time they swarm, you see them swarming out. I thought they were chanting. The other times, it sounded like it was more background. But right. I could definitely see what you're saying. Like that—that that makes sense too. Yeah. Uh, but I did notice for sure, like their horses—they give them hoofbeats, but they're super muffled. Like people's breathing are heavier than the hoofbeats, but they're there. It's like everything's just sort of muted around them and. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's like this it's weird atmosphere. Yeah, a presence rather than I. I just thought it it made it seem a lot more like they could just be right there. Exactly, and that's part of what sucks, especially once they're on their horses, because then they're quick as shit. Yeah, now you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> you're basically fucked. Dude gets his right, right, and then that's when dude. Betty and Roger go meet the professor on the studies, right? And he he drops a dime on him. He's like, "Oh yeah, I know about this place." He talks about the Knights Templars. He the thing the I like about it is there's, there's like art pieces that go along with the story that he's telling, which is really cool. He talks about how they were hung essentially because of black magic. They brought sacrificing virgins. The king of Spain hung them for all that. And uh, the, the crows pecked their eyes out, hence why they're blind. Am I tripping or do they say later, like somewhere else in the movie, that the, their eyes were burned out, not pecked oh, out? Oh, I wasn't paying enough attention. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I know that they showed the picture, though, with the birds, but that doesn't mean that they didn't fuck up at some other point when they were saying, especially... Yeah, for continuity. There's definitely some weird bits in this fucking English dub. Well, I thought that was cool how when he's telling the story, you see, like, you see, like, the the tapestries and, like, you know, it's, like, looks like ancient tapestries, like, telling the story, you know? Yeah, I like that. That was pretty cool. And I think maybe that's where they were supposed to have the beginning of what we got. Right. With the Templars and the the blood ritual. Yeah, right. But I do like the tapestries. I thought that was a cool touch. Yeah, for sure. I kind of like the reordering because it makes it feel like they were kind of trusting the audience. Like, we know that we just did this weird jump. But if you're paying attention, if you're paying attention, you've put put it all together before the professor says anything. Right, right. And then if you haven't put it all together by then, he lays it out. That's the interesting thing, too. Like, we as an audience already has that information. So we're ahead of the ballgame. We're just waiting now to see what happens to these characters. Yeah, like as opposed to like jump scares and things of that nature. So builds more tension, more... You feel the dread when they are present. You're like, oh, these guys are fucking ominous. During that whole exchange, though, that fucking inspector was there, like, eavesdropping. <laughs> and he's like, what about your son, Pedro? Where he been? And he's like, yeah, he's, uh, he's a smuggler carrying contraband across the border or whatever. They think he's responsible because he's only stationed like seven kilometers right. from that cemetery. And so it seems like Roger and Betty go out on that little boat, meet the whole compound. Well, specifically what he brings up, he's like, well, maybe his gang is imitating folklore. Yeah, yeah, yep. yep, yep, to, yep. Using the superstition to keep people at bay from going there, using it as a front. And I immediately wrote down somebody make that movie. That's a really cool concept. Yeah. A gang using like a local region's folklore to reinforce their activities and extra scary factor, I guess. However you want to do it. Flexing. <laughs> I don't know how to write that story, but I think it's a really neat idea. No, it's a so cool somebody concept. do it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but Roger checks it out. He meets Pedro and uh, he's like, look, you know, a favor for a favor, essentially. He's like, we can help clear you up of all this, you know, nonsense. And, uh, 
you know, you can help find out who or what's responsible for killing our friend. So they go back to the castle. Nina goes with them. Then there's all that, that sexy stuff going on in between that, like the swapping of the partners, essentially, <laughs> right? Right. And uh, that's where it turns into the implied rape. You're like, what the heck? Because she's like, yeah, it seems like she's never been with a man. So in my mind, I'm thinking maybe she's the virgin set up for the sacrifice. Mm. Oh, okay. You know, I see what you're saying. But then that immediately gets turned on its head because you see her shirt, her blouse ripped. You're like, oh, damn. Well, it was it, it was almost like some like really really fucking dark comedy because right before all that happens, Nina is talking to Roger, mm-hmm. and she's just like, oh yeah, you're a gentleman or whatever, but I like him a little rough. And then it cuts to her man. And her yeah. man just got done yeah. raping yeah. someone. Got yeah. rough. And I was just like, that's fucked up. <laughs> 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 because my first note before I saw what happened to her was like, oh, is she, she's kind of saying she likes it rapey. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, oh, she likes it rapey. <laughs> I, you know, I guess there's there's another scene in this film we already talked about earlier was the morgue scene. Mm-hmm. Where we had some dark comedy. Yeah, yeah. Where the creeper dude that's like revealing the, the you know, they're, they're there to identify uh, Virgin, is it Virginia? Virginia. Virginia's mm-hmm. body. And he like fucks with them and shows them like, a, like another yeah, dead he does body. does the psych out. And it's kind of like, yeah. Maybe I'm demented, but I, I thought it was kind of dark and funny. Like yeah. there was a, you know, there's a no. little, and just the, he was like getting off on like their reaction, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. like it's super creepy, but he, he's super effective because he's like <laughs> he's getting off on it. Yeah, yeah. Like like I said, man, that actor like nailed his part. Yeah, definitely. He was definitely like probably the most comedic element of the yeah, entire. I mean, it, it is super dark. <laughs> you think it about is, it? Yeah. <laughs> well, and and then out of nowhere though, you also have Nina being like, "Yeah, I once knew a guy that drank champagne out of my shoe." Oh yeah, yeah. That was the only way he could get off <laughs> <laughs> for a slight for a slight moment at the morgue. I was like, I wonder how far they're going to lean into necrophilia. Because I feel like maybe... I thought that's where it was going. That's what this guy's about. I wouldn't put it past that cat, man. Well, when he looked at the bite on the stomach, I didn't think he was going to uncover it to the stomach. I thought he's like, and so if her face is here, that means tits are here. Connected to the boob bone. (laughs) (laughs) But he's just like, oh no, look at that bite mark. That's just an extra hole. And we'll play with the frog. <laughs> yeah, I can't forget my frog. <laughs> oh, but, man. Uh, all right, so after that little rapey bit, right, that's kind of what we're getting back to, is the bells toll, and then they rise from the grave again, and that's when Pedro gets his. Roger runs back, and the women are having it out <laughs> because of Pedro and all that shit. I zoned that part out, and it was, I, they, it was they barely they explain why they're fighting. Why are they fighting? Like, the reason why they're fighting happens in all of, like, three seconds. And it's three seconds that I looked away, and I'm like, oh, I guess they're fighting now. And then she mentioned something about they're not opening the door unless Pedro's there, too, or something like that. Exactly. That's what it boiled down to. I'm like, Pedro's got his already, (laughs) in a couple ways. And Roger, man, when they finally do let him in, he's been fucked up pretty good. But uh, he essentially tells Betty... To be silent. That's what he's telling her. He's like, you need to be silent. And then he kind of passes away. And then uh, Nina, she screams and it draws the attention away. And they get her. She gets eaten. At this point, Betty's heartbeat is what gives her away. She's trying to remain silent inside. She flees. 
I liked that when the when it started doing the heartbeat thing. That was and cool. every beat the camera zoomed. Quick a zoom. Bit. Yeah. Quick zoom. Quick zoom. And then she's like, "Shit." Yeah, she knows. Time to go. <laughs> Once again, them damn horses, bull. <laughs> what it eventually amounts to is the conductor this time and his son. His son stops the train, gets off, helps her. But by that time, those riders have already approached. They get on board. They start snacking on the people, the passenger freight. Betty hides in that little coal bit. Eventually, she uh, she turns on the train into the next station. The conductor get, helps her out. And uh, when those new passengers get on board, they discover what happened back toward the cemetery. And then that's when it dawned on me, when she turns around and she screams. And I was like, oh, damn, that was that cut in between. Right. At mm. the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, that's pretty clever. That was really cool. I really like that. The oh. scene of her, of the conductor's son helping her as they're approaching, as the Templars are approaching on their horses, it's pretty agonizing, man. Yeah. I mean, like, there's it's hella suspenseful, but... Um, <laughs> the acting was is like <laughs> yeah. it's just like oh man dude like yeah but those were probably some friends and family members and just whoever they can get yeah <laughs> it's like yeah so, but once again in the cut I think this is one of the parts where we're missing something and it's supposed to be a woman getting killed in front of her yeah, kid on yeah. the train yep I mean some of that's implied but they never show it no yeah yeah well I mean they wipe out the whole train so oh, it's like yeah you know. Yeah. So that, We just don't get the visual part of it. Right, yeah. for sure. All those trains that I have robbed on Red Dead Redemption 2 <laughs> should be lucky that I do not do train robberies like those motherfuckers do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah right. Most of them I leave them alive. Just give me your jewelry. That's all yeah. I need. Put it in the bag. Nobody has to die. Nobody has to die. Don't be dumb. It's not worth it. Yep, put it in the bag. Nobody be a hero. <laughs> But when excommunicated undead Templars, when they get on your train, that's no good for anyone, man. Well, right? it turns into a ghost train. Yeah. They were all sleeping, too, when they attacked, so I think that was one of the reasons they were so effective. That's a good point, man. But, I mean, the conductor at the beginning, <laughs> I like how he does it, too. He quickly brushes it off, but he's like, uh, he, he's talking about Virginia at the beginning. He's like, that girl doesn't know what she's getting herself into. And it sounds like, what? He's like, oh, never mind. <laughs> like he knows and then oh. they, that's what comes back to them at the end they stop when they shouldn't have I mean sucks for anybody involved but it brought more harm than it did good so I know you've only seen one of the other ones but yeah. in that one do they have any weakness of any kind because it doesn't seem like anything can stop them in this it's been a while since I've seen it mm-hmm. um, I honestly don't remember but I remember it being dope that's okay I remember it being worthy of, like, the first one. Nice. Have you guys seen trailers for the other two? No. Can't say how. They look awesome. I just own so many movies. I watch so many movies. I haven't gotten to these. Yeah, it's hard to catch up on all the stuff. um, I just should just sit down and watch them one night. Well, If if you've seen the trailers, they look amazing. Let's pause this and watch the trailers. Yeah. Cool. We'll get some reactions. All right, so we just watched the trailers for all three of the sequels, official sequels, because I think the Blind Horsemen show up in a couple other movies as well by a couple other directors, but mostly I think in weird cameos. I don't fucking know, but what did you guys think? That was fun, by the way. No, it made me appreciate the fact that some of the trailers that we get today don't give you as much information, because it's like, (laughs) I mean... (laughs) 
it's cool. I liked it, but it's like, damn, they show they pretty much show you the whole fucking film. <laughs> but uh, I still am intrigued by them. Let's put it that way. I, like, I still want to watch those films, no matter how much I got to see. Right. I'm still intrigued by it. Okay, so the first one was Return of the Blind Dead or Return of the Evil Dead. Return of the Evil Dead. Return right? of because the they say it like three dozen times. So. <laughs> yeah, first thing I thought was like, damn, Sam Raimi. Um, <laughs> Return of the Evil Dead. But then I was like, that one actually looks pretty tight. Like it that looks one looks decent. closer in line with this one. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, just a side note: using the Evil Dead for the sequel, like the term Evil Dead. That's not the first time. No, uh, they've stolen something. Mm-hmm. In these films, you guys are aware of the Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh well, yeah, we'll talk about that after okay. this. I think. Okay, cool, cool. Let's, let's talk about these trailers real quick, and we'll get into that because that's insane. Yeah, <laughs> that's fucking nutty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Return of the Blind Dead, Return of the Evil Dead. However, you'd wanted to, because I mean, this is already the Night of Blind Terror. Yeah. If you were to correctly translate it, so that one looked more like this one. And then it went to the Ghost Galleon. Which was on a boat. And they showed a ton of it, but you don't know why the horsemen are suddenly on a boat. That has me intrigued. That's a good point. And it brings the terror a little bit more, I think, to the forefront, too. I mean, not that it's already not there, but when you're secluded on a vessel like that, with a group like that, it's like, oh, you're really fucked. It's like, even in a village, you have a little bit of a chance... Sure. This way, you're like, no, you're tucked in. And was it Ghost Galleon where you're like, oh, shit, time to get rapey again? <laughs> no, it's like, a ravage. You're like, oh, shit. Yeah, then lean heavy yeah. into that, maybe. Night of the Seagulls. Okay. <laughs> this one, I was like, is that Pee Wee Herman in the window? <laughs> right. I thought the exact same thing, man. I didn't want to say it. I wanted to wait. And I was like, that one, there's a couple different fingerprints I can see, like, people having... Maybe borrowed things from these series because some of it looks like that shot could have been in Phantasm, like the living room shot. That could have been straight out of Phantasm. And then, uh, yeah, I just I think it's kind of interesting leaning into maybe some Lovecraftian things. Night of the Seagulls to me looked both the most ridiculous but the most intriguing. Because really? the first part all seemed pretty straightforward, but how does that all connect to the fucking idol? It's like, maybe there's a frog that dude was playing with in this film. This all comes back to it. He was onto something. There's creepers in these films. And then there's also, I don't know, there's obviously other weird things going on, but it also just looks ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The fucking dude talking about the seagulls. <laughs> yeah. The cultists, like, eating on that sacrifice was, that looked pretty sweet. Yeah. I kind of want to watch them all. Yeah, and it's nice to know that Amando, the Osorio, it's like he's connected to every one of them. So mm-hmm. you know it's at least in his vision in this series. Yeah. And it's not like passed off to somebody else. Well, just watching those trailers, you could see that, I mean, it doesn't look like they stray too far off no. the path. It's mm-hmm. like all the same sort of atmosphere. and uh... I could see how he was maybe even borrowing, like, uh, for that time period, like, some of a scene reminded me of maybe like a little bit of a soap opera. Mm-hmm. The way it was his shot, and I was like, that was the thing going on then, too, stylistically. But regardless of that, it's like, I'm still intrigued because they do have a continuity to them. Sure. And, uh, yeah, they do look right on the path that would fit at home with this film. They also never seem to get any faster. <laughs> Especially nope. not that turning speed. 
And we had one of our questions answered for us. Mm-hmm. Looks like they're vulnerable to fire. Yeah. So I would hope so because they sure as hell look like <laughs> those, they look like those are some crispy looking motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. Like cursed and crispy, man. <laughs> they got to work on that turn thing, though. If you're on fire, you got to turn around faster than that. That was Boy. super slow, and then the, he went straight to a fade. <laughs> he started to fade out. I don't think he noticed at first. <laughs> no. Uh, what the it? fuck's going on? Cookies? Is it hot? <laughs> yeah. Is, is it hot in here? It's hot. Is anybody else hot? <laughs> not, yeah. That's pretty funny, but uh, yeah, I can see some dark humor in some of these films. Like, I feel like he's probably not trying to take himself too serious. Yeah. Oh, he's having a blast making these. Oh, you know? yeah. I mean, he did four of them, for Christ's sakes. It's like, it looks like he's, you know, it was just like, he was just bleeding his heart out with these films. Now, knowing a little bit, too, of what we know about covering some of these uh, directors from Europe, and at this time period, it wasn't easy filming within their own country. So that's why you typically see a lot of different countries' hands on these films. It's because they were doing all these deals like, you know, right, we'll film here, you help with distribution there, et cetera, et cetera. So, um... A lot of these guys, you know, they were really pushing the envelopes in a lot of ways, the way that you could film, even with a moderate budget. I mean, some of these shots that you see in these films are pretty tight, you know? Yeah, for sure, man. uh, That's what I'm saying. At the beginning of this film, it threw me for a loop because I was not expecting to see a coastline in a swimming pool and bikini-clad women. I'm like... That's actually a super epic shot. Yeah. It's like, that's a really tight... It it really, really grabs your attention. Because it's such a like a, a huge change from what you were just exposed to, you yeah. know, to mm-hmm. it's like this huge like whoa, but it is a shift, right? You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but what it makes me appreciate too is the influence that not only that they had on America, you know, for directors and for moviegoers, but even within Europe too. I feel like some of the we talked about the Italians. Some of this film felt a little like a giallo or followed like certain tropes of a crime mystery and things like that. But it didn't feel like it, like it was trying to be that. It just it followed that pattern to connect this story. Yeah, it didn't feel forced. No, like, no, no. It just like it was just a okay. Now here's this element of the story for you. you know? Yeah, and, and it felt good. I mean, it, it helped with the pacing. You know what would probably sure. feel forced if this was Planet of the Apes. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> driving home a huge point. Yeah, which that does blow my mind too. Thinking about that. So American distributors wanted to cash in on Planet of the Apes. Is that how I'm reading this correctly? Yeah. Yeah. And so they filmed or recorded a new narration to open it with, re-edited it, taking out the Templar back scene. Yeah. And anything else? And what? And just took, like, B-roll to expand out other shit, I guess? Connecting it to, uh, like... The locations, mostly. Yeah, and like a, a certain time period where they had this <clears throat> battle and the apes were, you know, in prison and blah, blah, blah. And the yeah. undead are intelligent undead apes. Yeah, coming that's, back for that's revenge. That's what they're expecting you to, to believe. Like, mm, yeah, they say like 3,000 years ago, like yeah. there was like a battle between ape and man and man won. Like, I actually, on my DVD <laughs> of this, it has that. Oh, okay. Uh, um, I, I actually, <laughs> like it's funny, like the way he says it, like the narrator, he it just like makes you know, like you know, we were victorious, you know. And, <laughs> <Fucking> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Fuck, I'm so high. What was I just talking? <laughs> no, we're just talking about this intro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this connection to Planet of the Apes and how crazy that is, really. How far of a reach. Revenge from Planet Ape. Yeah, that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. It's a hell of a fetch. I mean, there's only so much they can edit it. Like, you're never in a million years going to believe it's a Planet of the Apes film, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm not buying that. That's the first thing I think of when I look directly into the eyes of a Templar knight is that it's an undead ape. Damn filthy ape. (laughs) (laughs) Like, for real this time. I mean, I wonder if it made them any money. I don't know. Maybe. Dude, if you bought that... It's like the people that go buy Atlantic Rim, right? Well, all right. I've been a victim of this one time of a film, right? Oh, God, what, what tricked you? Okay, it was the title. Okay. Right? So I bought a film called The Seven Doors of Hell. Oh, okay, yeah, you've told me this story. Right? Yeah. Okay. And it was basically a different title for The Beyond, but it was edited. So when I watched it, I was like, hold on, this feels like, I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> it had a different name, different title, you know, different cover. But yeah, it, once I started watching it, I was like, oh, man. So I would imagine people who did buy into the fact they were thinking this is going to be a Planet of the Apes-style film and it turned into a Knights Templar occult film. I'm like, what the But f-? all that's cut out. Right. So all you see is these... It's crazy. Like, if you bought into it, you would... I would... I could, I could maybe feel a little empathy for them because I, I bought into, like, something that... I was thinking it was a completely different film based on the title. Would they cut any of the scenes where they had swords and <laughs> just know. use those skeletal hands shots instead? Or Yeah, it'd be a hard spin. I mean, so I suppose just, I could just watch it one of these days and find out all these questions I'm having right now. But It's just super bizarre. It's just a, Yeah, that's a stretch of a connection. Do you guys think there should be any sort of modern reinvigoration to these characters? I would love to see that. Oh, you know I what I would love to game. see is like like an epic, like Go high on. production value. Like what I picture in my head, like they should make me be the director because what I picture in my head would be fucking insane. Would it be a period piece or would you go modern day with it? I would, I would do exactly how they would do it, how they did it. In the with like flashbacks. But yeah, for sure, man. I think that would But be. otherwise, like we're having to deal with them. Yeah, like, just because sucks. I think I feel like the little flashback scenes makes that period. I don't know, it just makes it feel more special. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just if you were to like make the entire film like a period piece, it's just like, I mean, it would still be badass, but or maybe do like a prequel and it's a period piece, and then it's the fall of the knights, right? For sure. Well, I think the the cool thing about this is it is rooted in that Knights Templar, you know, history timeline. And some of the stories that come from it, you know, and they traveled across a lot of land. So you can pick up on any of those times that they were, you know, and you can play off those those lines, those stories based on where they trekked. You know, so it's not exclusive to one area. It can be a variation of tales and how they came through those lands, how it affected those people, et cetera, et cetera. So sure. I think that could be a fun twist on it, too, is, you know, you have these multiple tellings of the same groups of people but told through the lens of different cultures totally man i can't really think too much else to say about this movie right now especially because we've smoked a lot no uh, I, the last thing i'll leave off on is is like i said if you like guys like just franco and sergio martino and bava and all those guys i think this is a really cool entry into those 1970s films that are a little off the beaten path 
but they're really cool. They're experimental in a way, oh. and they don't feel forced. Like this isn't a zombie film, but it, these guys are a little bit more ominous. Their presence, I feel like. I don't know. I, I really liked it, man. That was a, a cool I recommendation. Like, I feel like there's an element to the, at least the first film. I don't know if it, they, they use these. I, like I said, I've seen the second one. It's been a while. Honestly, can't remember anything other than that it was. It's worth checking out. <laughs> but uh, I feel like there's like this element of like this dreamy sort of like almost like feverish, especially in the um, the slow motion scenes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're almost like under their spell, you know, you're just like, whoa, you know, like, it's almost like psychedelic, you know. I feel like during those scenes, I feel like there's a lot of scenes in this movie where if you were to just like hit the pause button, they're, they're beautiful shots, man. Mm-hmm. Like, Absolutely. Especially like while they're riding, like, in, you know, like against like the sunset and there's like ruins sort of like, you know, on either side of them. It's just, it's really cool imagery, super atmospheric. Those ruins are really cool. Yeah, I really like those. Yeah, it was great. good location, really good location. I guess that's what I had to say about it. <laughs> well, fun man, yeah, thumbs up for sure. Well, have we decided next week? Do I don't we, think should we, not concretely, but should we go with what I mentioned? I'm down. I'm down. I know which ones we have mentioned off area. All right, so next week we're going to be doing Twenty Eight Days Later. <laughs> <laughs> I'll admit right now it's not my favorite, but maybe upon rewatch because yeah. it's been a while now, so. So that's actually going to be an adventure all in itself because I haven't rewatched it in years and years and years. So mm-hmm. maybe it'll change my mind. And in order to listen to find out if it does change my mind, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. That would be super, super fucking cool. Or tell people about us, share it around, all that shit. Rate and reviewing if that's possible. However you're listening to us always helps because everything's run on algorithms and that gets us into the algorithm and just will appear in more search results so you can always go check out the entire back catalog over at our website www.friedsquirms.com while you're there you can contact us through the website or by emailing us squirmcast at gmail.com also on the website if you click the links up at the top you'll notice we're part of the earworm podcast network you can go check out the other shows on there. Listen to me go talk about nerd shit on General Nerdery. Go listen to my co-host from General Nerdery talk about Sun Tzu and Machiavelli and Wargaming and 40K over on The Art of Wargaming and more shows to come probably by the end of the year, especially since it sounds like everybody's going to be quarantined with nothing else to do <laughs> thanks to coronavirus. So Yeah, so jumping off of that, I would say now's a good time to catch up on some of our back catalog because you'll be talking in for a bit get caught up on some good films in the meantime too if we haven't covered a film that you do like and you want us to do it let us know we're always up for suggestions and recommendations and we do enjoy a bit of independent cinema too so if you're a filmmaker and need someone to help pimp your film out let us know did we say everything i think that's it cool well for this week i'm tyler i'm danny i'm donnie thanks for coming on donnie yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Awesome Thanks recommendation. Fun film. Yeah, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. I knew you would. Yeah. Thanks for having me back, man. Batman oh, 100. Yeah. Good times. Anytime. You'll be back again. I got way too high, so... Uh, <laughs> it's okay. It's we okay. Won't be, we wouldn't be the Fright Squirmers if not. Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I was expecting... You know, uh, I was disappointed. We'll have you back again. We'll figure out another film to talk about. Be a good time. Uh, right on, right on. But until then, Fried Squirms, out. out.